Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keane. I'm Phil Dobby. Today, we look at the euro as a reserve currency. Now, look, we know Steve hates the euro because it has, in effect, subdued the value of the German currency and inflated the value of southern European currencies. So it's created this north-south divide in Europe. But what about the euro taking on the US dollar as the reserve currency of the world, or at least an alternative to the US dollar? We'll look at that today on the Debunking Economics Podcast. Now, earlier this year, just a few weeks ago, in fact, Jean-Claude Juncker, president of the European Commission, indicated that he wanted the euro to be the reserve currency rivaling the US dollar. So Europe paid for big imports like oil in euros, not in US dollars. Now, Steve, we've, we've spoken about Keynes's idea of creating the Bancor as the world's reserve currency. So no doubt we'll look at that in the next half hour. But first of all, what does a reserve currency actually mean? And why has the US dollar become it? No, it goes back to, if you look in the pre-war days, uh, in pre-Second pre World War, when England was still the dominant colonial power, not necessarily the dominant economy, the dominant colonial power, um, and certainly in the 19th century that was the case, most trade was transacted between countries in either gold or pounds. Yeah. Uh, and if you, if you issued bonds for international trade, you're issuing those in pounds. We go through the Second World War, of course, the you know, UK comes out as one of the winners, but its economy is devastated and America is by far the, the dominant economy of the world. So we had to reorganise the, the, uh, the system after the, after, the, after the war. A large part of the pre-war system was the gold standard. So uh, the, the, the pound was denominated in a certain amount of gold and um, there were periods d- during wars they would break away from the gold standard. There was a huge slump in the UK when when Churchill, I think it was, insisted that America, England go back onto the gold standard at the same ratio that applied before the war, that caused massive collapse in the economy, about 20% fall in GDP in the early, early 1920s. Um, so in and out of the gold standard, Keynes was a rampant critic of the gold standard, saying money is not a commodity. We shouldn't be basing it on a commodity. That we should be using money as a tool for harnessing and creating physical resources. Mm. So his proposal was what he called a bank call, and the bank call was to be a currency issued by what we've now called the International Monetary Fund. He called it the International Clearing Union, and that uh, would be proportional to the size of the economy. So if you imagine the U- U- U.S. economy is, say, uh, 10 times the size of the U.K., it would get 10 times as many bank calls. And then to to exchange goods between the UK and America, uh, an American company wanting to buy UK products would have to convert through the International Clearing Union, convert dollars into Bancor, send the Bancor to the account of the um, of the UK um, UK part of the clearinghouse. That would then be converted from UK uh, from Bancor into UK pounds for the company selling the product to uh, the Americans. So you'd be passing through. Uh, the intermediate step would be through a common currency called a bank call rather than passing through uh, an individual currency. With, and, with fluctuating exchange rates still, though. 
Yeah, with, no, with actually with fixed exchange rates, but with rules about how they can be changed. So if you go back to the the Bretton Woods Agreement, we got everything except the Bancorp mm. out of that proposal. We've so got Bretton Woods, which, yeah, that's right. Well, the, and but when it was introduced, the Bretton Woods Agreement was that, uh, uh, yeah, the US dollar would be fixed to gold, wasn't it? Still, it was still set, well, no, set like, to the gold town initially. It was, it, it was two two things. Harry Dexter White, who was the chief of the American delegation, refused Keynes's idea of using a bank coin insisted upon the American dollar. And I'm not. I, I and, and there, I'm sure there's nothing in Keynes's proposal to fit the value of the bank or to gold. Yeah, uh, that would have been Dexter White yeah. as well. But the U.S. dollar so, initially at Bretton Woods, the U.S. dollar was fixed to gold and, uh, and at thirty-five dollars an ounce. Yeah, right. And then there was a fixed exchange rate to the U.S. dollar. So in effect, everyone was still attached to. I think it was Nixon, wasn't it? Who then t- pulled that apart and got rid of that that that. Yeah. So what, what, we, what Keynes is trying to do is to get a monetary system not fixed to not fixed to a commodity. Yeah. Um, which was set up deliberately to try to limit the level of both trade surpluses and trade deficits. And what we got instead uh, was was a US dollar allegedly fixed to gold, uh, but if you, we, we saw the direction of causation. Um, the, you know, the American economy ran a deficit. Um, that should mean it starts running out of gold. Now, the, the fall down point there was that, in fact, when this was happening uh, early on, America's running a trade surplus. Very rapidly over time, it became a trade deficit which was financing by issuing US dollars, they were accumulating in the in the country, the, the treasuries of countries running surpluses, which included France. And at one point, uh, de Gaulle, then France's leader, threatened, he was actually going to do it, threatened to deliver all the surplus American dollars that France had accumulated to buy gold from Fort Knox at $30, $35 an ounce. And the amount of money that France had at that stage would have emptied Fort Knox. Wow. So mm. that that was the, so that was the beginning. Was one of several factors that led to Nixon abrogating the gold standard, and we ended up breaking that particular part of the of the the, the camel designed by a committee, um, the, the, the the horse designed by a committee, which is a camel uh, that we call our international monetary system after the Second World War. But isn't it curious that that would happen? Because you would have thought there's nothing going to focus the mind uh, more than the war and, you know, where you're trying to build, for example, Britain, you know, doesn't want to lose. It needs to build more weapons, needs money to build those weapons, and money is constrained by gold. I mean, you'd say, well, this is just a crazy notion. We just need to build the stuff. We've got the resources. Let's do it. The idea that you have money constraining your ability to build stuff. So you would have thought that after the war, everyone would be going, well, clearly gold was a stupid idea. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, we, we, we continue coming back to this mythology that the money has always been gold, mm. uh, when in fact money has always been uh, a form of credit. And gold was an attempt to limit that credit creation and was mainly used in international exchanges. Nobody used gold, in, gold internally to go and buy your, your morning newspaper, but it was used between countries to settle transactions in the pre-war period. And we keep on returning to what Keynes called this barbarous relic. So why I – understand, I understand why people would say, well, okay, let's use the US dollar as the reserve because it's the strongest currency right now. And I guess strength and stability is what you want. If you're not going to create your own – new reserve currency like the bank or then you want to look and see okay where is their strength and stability and volume i guess they're they're the requirements aren't they we need something that there's a lot of that's used that's used a lot uh domestically as as well as internationally um and doesn't isn't subject to wild fluctuations its its economy isn't subject to wild fluctuations so maybe that's why the u.s dollar but i don't understand that makes sense perhaps it's back in 1944 but i don't understand why 
it's stuck with the US dollar since. You know, why, for example, does China own so much US debt? They've got a huge, a large proportion of all US treasuries have been bought by China. We know that because they've been threatening to sell them. And I'm not really quite sure why they would do that. We can come to that in a second. But why, why, for example, is the is the dollar still so seen as you know the only the only game in town when it comes to the reserve currency? Well, it comes down to the, the monetary system is designed around it. So if you want to use the SWIFT system, you've got to go through U.S. dollars, mm. and uh, and that and that's why uh, the, the the blockage of, blockage of, of Iran can be so effective because the Americans can say we've got the control over you know, it's our currency used for the SWIFT. We will any company that trades with Iran, we will we will ban using SWIFT, and suddenly you, you're blackmailed by the Americans yeah. into into supporting their policy on Iran, which is which is stupid, as everybody except the Americans knows. So it becomes a form of political power, and this is why Juncker is now saying one of the few things I've ever agreed with with Juncker in. Was it Juncker or uh, yeah, yeah, it was Juncker who okay. was saying yeah, he okay, wants Juncker. to yeah, okay, yeah, uh, create another reserve currency, uh, which at least it, it's. The whole idea of a reserve currency is actually destructive for the country that becomes a reserve currency, and this is what we've seen with the with the British, and we've seen it with the American dollar as well. Because it because inflates the dollar too much. It inflates the value, and I, I I just casually remark and say it must be at least thirty percent overvalued. I've recently seen a study saying the American dollar is about a hundred percent overvalued. Mm. So it should be rather the dollar. It should be worth fifty cents right now, rather than the nominal one dollar value. Uh, because that's the extent to which it's overvalued because everybody needs to hold the dollar to be part of international exchange. Now, if you didn't have that, um, then we'd have a very, very, if we'd started with the bank or we'd have a totally different world to where we are now. Okay? Well, no, but, but, but what you would have is the American manufacturing would not be handicapped by having a dollar worth twice as much as it should yeah, be. Yeah, they could export We'd have a which by the American manufacturing sector. Yeah, which, which, which obviously, I mean, they have a, a huge and growing um, deficit in the United States. But they do have one over everybody. So I mentioned, you know, China earning so much debt, they've got this, this large proportion of U.S. Treasuries. China's been saying, you know, well, if this trade war continues, we're going to sell them. Uh, but they wouldn't. I mean, would they? Because, um, you know, if they if they started to sell them, then they'd go down in value and, and China would suddenly find that they're worse off as a, as a result of it. This is one of well, in fact, the, the, the Federal Reserve could buy them all. I mean, this is the thing. When you have a international – when a domestic currency uh, is, you know, created by the central bank of that country, which, of course, Europeans can't do but Americans can – there's no limit to their capacity to buy anything that's denominated for sale in that currency. So it's not a, it's not a weapon. And what you've got is the reason that China's doing that is not because they're trying to get power over America. They're trying to stop their trade surplus increasing the value of their own currency. And why we have to do that is when you, when you sell goods for American dollars, buy American bonds with them, don't convert them into domestic currency. Right. So it's insulating themselves from the impact of their own trade surplus. That's what they're doing it for. I guess it's sort of hedging as well, isn't it? Their the, the, the currency against the Chinese yuan. So, uh, you know, if the US dollar is getting stronger than their own currency, they're in effect playing the currency markets. Yeah, fundamentally. And then that's, you know, the, that's the currency markets are played by all these central banks. So we have a mess of a system fundamentally. And I would, you know, I, I would love to see us go back to, to what we should have done in the first place, which is the bank or. Yeah. But if we can't do that, I'd rather have more than one international currency as a reserve currency. So on that front, I think Juncker's idea is a good one. Well, I'll look at the, how that's practically going to work in just a second. But I mean, one of the other problems we've got right now uh, is that because the US dollar is getting so strong, 
everyone's paying for it, uh, in particular uh, emerging markets where they have had to buy and are still having to buy stuff in US dollars because nobody's going to trade in their, in, in their currency. And that means as, as the US dollar rises, everything's getting more expensive for them and therefore their economies are crumbling. And you've also got that effect with the, they've got to issue debt in American dollars and the American dollars rising and their, their currency is falling. It becomes an impossible burden, which leads to default. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we, we, we do need something. So, um, I mean, Juncker's ambitions is partly political. He wants to use this as a way of strengthening the euro. I think the euro should fail. <laughs> it is a failure. Um, the, 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 the idea of using it externally is a good thing. The fact that it's used internally is a bad thing. I'd rather see it converted back to being just a form of international currency, maybe in a funny sort of way this might enable that as, as, a, as a possible bridge because you could introduce reintroduce national currencies beneath the euro yeah. and use the euro for like the you know, inter-country like, trade within Europe and then spread yeah. from there to the stage where it's used globally. Which is what we had with the ACU before we had the euro. Yeah. We had the ACU. Yeah. So everyone kept their own currencies in the ACU. So so the ACU becomes the reserve currency and everyone sticks with their, with their own currency. That would work. But how, how does that work alongside the – I mean, can you have two reserve currencies, global reserve currencies? And what, what well, do- You certainly could because you then have SWIFT and SWIFT EU, for example, right. uh, or SWIFT Euro. And therefore, if you wanted to make a transaction to buy goods off an Iranian uh, company rather than having to use the American dollar and then alerting the American Treasury and the American CIA to what you're doing uh, and being and being stopped from doing it uh, because they won't let American companies trade with you, go through the euro, have an alternative channel and anything. I mean, this is one, one thing you can say in favour of Trump. Every, every possible abuse of your American power that could happen, bar one, has happened so far. And uh, with that with that situation, anything to get away from this. What's, what's the one is buying? Well, send off a nuclear missile. No, no part of the world is glowing in the, in the dark as yet. <laughs> so far. We're getting close so to far. it. Though. So, so I'm not going to stick my neck out and say it won't happen. So let's call it the EQ then, the uh, rather than the euro, because I know you're, yeah. uh, you, you, you are so against that for reasons that we've d- talked about at, at length, but basically it's because it, it breeds in di- indifference. It breeds differences in the in economies yeah. and it helps the North, Northern Europe and uh, is detrimental to the South. But if we had the EQ as a trading currency, uh, and that was a that was the reserve. So that would be that would be a. How would that be set? Would that be? Does it float? Does it does it float in relation to all the other European currencies? Uh, explain how it would work in principle. It would have to float, and would it be floating against the American dollar as well? And what I expect would happen is once you actually had a a rival. Uh, reserve currency, global reserve currency, and it was something where you had the option of going one way or the other, I expect you'd see that currency would rise and the American dollar would fall. And interestingly enough, that would correct some of the hassles that Trump has about the trade imbalances because it would make German goods more expensive yeah. and American ones cheaper. So, And, mm, and the EQ would be what set the, the exchange rate between the EQ and Euro- European currencies. I guess it would be set by a basket of European currencies. Yeah, and this this is Keynes's idea about the the bank or could be reproduced at the European scale. So Keynes was going to have, and this is vitally necessary because the trade uh, deficits and surpluses within the European Union are a major part of what's pulling it apart. And those trade deficits exist because of the euro being used across the entire economy. And a country running a low inflation rate like Germany gets an gets an advantage every year of the gap between its inflation rate 
and the inflation rate of the other countries, which compounds. So in the case of Italy, uh, German goods are now about 20 to 25% cheaper than they were when the euro was formed, which is why Italian industry is falling apart. What you'd go to is uh, the objective of the, of, the, of the bank call was to limit trade surpluses and trade deficits to 1% of GDP. Now, Germany is running a trade surplus of about 10%, maybe about 8, 8 9% right now. I'm not sure what Italy's deficit is. It wouldn't be quite as bad because of trades with the rest of the world, but it would be running a deficit. So what you'd be doing is trying to narrow those deliberately because we've seen that that certainly hasn't been done by the market. Mm. Japan, Japan has maintained trade surpluses for at least 30, 40 years. Uh, Germany had a period of deficits back when it was doing the um, unification of, of East Germany with West Germany, but it's generally run surpluses as well. China's run almost indefinite surpluses. So our current system is not getting rid of these imbalances, whereas you could do that if you redesigned the euros, the EQ, you could do that and make that an objective, and that would potentially make the make the uh, European Union more sustainable. But, of course, Juncker isn't thinking like that. Juncker is seeing it as an opportunity to strengthen the euro. But, I mean, if, it, mm. if it's pushed the value up of the US dollar, wouldn't it also push up the value of the ECU, which would be not good for Southern Europe? Uh, depending on the not, the, the, not the ECU, sorry, the euro, I mean. It would, it would, yeah. Yeah, it would be bad for Southern Europe, wouldn't it? Yeah, and this is one of the dangers. And the, but the, the thing is, the more reserve currencies there are, the closer you get to the situation where there is no reserve currency. Um, in, you know, if reserve currency means you've got to have a particular country's um, dollars, uh, currency in your reserve accounts to be able to trade. Well, if it became the whole lot, um, you, you, you would no longer have a, you know, a, a single reserve currency. And the euro becoming one along with the... Um, with the dollar, that's that's one step in that direction. Um, but we we certainly have we have a dysfunctional system, and this sort of sign, when when um, a country like you know the, the region like the euro region comes out with a proposal like this, it shows just how dysfunctional the current system has to be. I'm sure, Mr. Juncker, Monsieur Juncker hasn't given it an enormous amount of thought, but you know he's just thrown the idea out there. But uh, you know we've got European airlines buying European-made planes in US dollars. I mean, it doesn't make a great deal of sense, does it? No, and, and it does make sense. It would have made sense to use Bancor to coordinate production across uh, national boundaries, but the US dollar, uh, that you know, strengthens the US dollar uh, at the expense of US manufacturing. Um, so Juncker's proposal will actually weaken the euro in that sense because it would make the euro more expensive and therefore make European goods denominated in euros more expensive. So it's one of these, you know, there's no clean way out of this of this mess we're in at the moment. I would love to go back to, you know, when, when it's something that people think the Second World War's just happened, let's go and design a new system. That's about the only sustainable way to get there. And we lost that opportunity courtesy of Harry Dexter White. Yeah, yeah. And I, I take your point as well that, you know, if you've got too many reserve currencies, they just become other currencies, don't they? So it's yeah, sort of like, uh, right. you know, but if you had two, then uh, in times of unrest, uh, well, yeah, who, what does everyone buy? Do they buy the EQ or do they buy the US dollar? It would be interesting to see how that uh, how that changed over time. And but geopolitics would almost certainly have a part of that, but it would also limit uh, the ability for someone like Trump to play that geopolitics card and, and use the reserve currency to his advantage because people could just use option yeah, two. Yeah, I mean, the obvious case is the Saudis would continue dominating their oil in dollars and the Iranians would dominate their oil in euros. Problem and solved. And you have people 
Yeah. You'd be having you'd be all sorts of arbitrage operations opening up. There were speculators that have a field day out of the two. But yeah, uh, you you have a way of uh, a, a, a monetary way of, of sidestepping the geopolitics of America having the uh, well, the dominant reserve currency on the planet. Yeah, because the EU pays uh, more than eighty percent of the energy imports into Europe are paid for in US dollars. Only only mm. and yet only two percent of the imports come from the United States. So yeah, it is a it is a, a crazy situation. So uh, what would it mean to America, though, if, if the US dollar wasn't the reserve currency, say the EQ was established, and I know we are in fantasy land here because we've got to, mm-hmm. we've got to get rid of the euro for all of this to happen. But um, uh, what, would ha- what would happen to the US dollar? It would go down in value. They would have less politics to play. Um, but it would be good for America, ultimately, we seem to be saying. It'd be good for the industrial sector of America, bad for the financial sector. The, the, the major thing that this did, having the US dollar as the reserve currencies, it gave enormous power to US financial corporations because they, you didn't have to raise American dollars. You, you, you know, your, your reserves were American dollars, yeah. uh, which is a huge advantage over any other financial institution. So it's why we're not the only reason, but it's a major reason why we're dominated by US financial corporations. And why hasn't that worked out well for the rest of the planet? Cryptocurrency fanatics would, of course, say, well, surely a cryptocurrency could become the default trading currency. Well, there are ideas that you could actually use some of the cryptocurrency technology, uh, but not the, the, not the remaining idea of, I mean, if we, if we went from, from um, you know, Bitcoin as a, as a fringe activity as it is right now to using something, the same sort of idea, the distributed ledger, we'd be using 100% of the planet's energy to, to, to have finance transactions and getting no transactions out of it. So... Uh, but the, yep. it's, it's, so it's a bit, a bit of an operational problem there with the yeah, but yeah. Mul- multiple ledgers operating between central banks that they, they can all uh, there's authorized bodies they can all see what the transactions are. Then yes, the, the the distributed ledger technology within the limits of central banks could work quite well. So the IMF has uh, the S S what are called SDR special drawing rights, mm. which is a yeah. which is a, which is a bit like a reserve currency, isn't it? So it's a uh, it's a basket of it's based on the basket of five currencies: the U.S. dollar, the euro, the renminbi, the Japanese yen, and the pound. Um, I mean, if that took off, that would in effect be a reserve currency. I mean, it reduces. Well, that was, the, that, the, the, the was that the idea behind it? Yeah, that's the SCR is the watered down version of the bank call. Right. So Keynes couldn't get the yes couldn't get the bank call through. Uh, but when the IMF was formed, then it used special drawing rights as a way of uh, a, a form of international exchange. It didn't take off, but it is a, is a form of. So why uh, didn't know, it take off? Because the because the dollar was because just because the US is so dominant, and you know, just that's the system he went with. You, you go through the uh, you know, American exchanges, the American private corporations, and systems like SWIFT, rather than going through the IMF. And right. Of course, the IMF got involved with all its wonderful economic policies designed to uh, make economies prosper by turning them to third world countries. <laughs> so the IMF didn't do all that well out of its SDRs. Right. Okay. Going, because, I mean, you, you've there's one thing having it, there's the other applying it, and I guess that's it. maybe it's too political for the IMF to start saying, well, let's use special drawing rights now as the reserve currency and let's put all the technology that needs to sit behind it because America would just see that as a challenge and they'd, uh, they'd piss off the IMF pretty quickly. Which indeed they did do. So... Um, here, SDRs, SDRs are just a very much watered-down idea of the bank call. Um, and like, you know, you're, 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 the amount you get issued, proportional to your economy size, that was part of the bank core idea. But it never became the form of international exchange. Could it gain momentum, though, whether it is the something like the SDR? I mean, would be the IMF be the right body to push this forward if it wasn't the EU? 
Uh, <laughs> who would do it given is the, the question I'm given, asking. Given the damage the IMF has done globally, it would again be attempting to impose some sort of restriction on, you know, on, on they'd have somewhere they'd try to stop governments running trade deficits, uh, budget deficits, I'm almost certain. But a large part of Keynes's idea for the bank was very me- mechanical. Uh, once it was set up, there were a whole set of rules, which my uh, my new uh, uh, doctoral friend, uh, Dr. Trun Andresen in Norway, that was a PhD I went to last week, um, proposed that the bank could actually be described as a control system. And uh, in that sense, it's something which was, there were feedbacks that were set on various things like whether you're running a trade deficit or a surplus, therefore taxes you were required to pay back to it, which then were automatically distributed out of the of the buffer uh, to third world countries, right? Uh, but you can't set that. You can't set that up and leave that. Though. I mean, that's a po- they are policy decisions that people would would nobody would agree saying let's set that up and leave it for eternity. There would need to be some sort of administrative body there that's reviewing those policy decisions, presumably. Yeah, but if they were set up by Keynes, they wouldn't include the budget deficit fantasies that the IMF is currently dominated by. So, imperfectly, in, in, in the in the sequential world in which we live. I'm not sure the IMF is the best organisation. So who would do it? Responsibility. Who 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 takes charge of this then? Well, in the case of what Junker is suggesting, it would be the European Commission or the European Central Bank. Um, again, caught with the same ideas. But if you if you design it simply as I say as I was saying, rather than having to use the American dollar, you can use the ECU. Um, then it doesn't quite have the same political restrictions and how many ECUs are issued. If you, if you set up the rule saying it's issued proportional to the size of your economy, uh, then nobody's going to fight, turn that rule over over time. It's a sensible rule. But the ECU, um, the ECU would be based on the basket of European currencies, and yet if it became the new world reserve currency, um, its value really would be derived based on you know interactions worldwide. Would it, would it make sense to have that basket? I mean, I'm just thinking if, if it becomes a reserve currency, does, um, doesn't it lose its geography? Yeah, and that's true, and that's why the bank had no geography. What was yeah. the you know, bank was issued proportional to the global size of economy, size of economies relative to the globe itself, mm. and that was just an easy rule. And as the economy grew, you got more bank issued to you. Um, so and what you, what Juncker's yeah. asking for is a reserve currency, which is going to, be, which is basically Europe challenging America. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a political stance because he's not saying, look, we're going to generate something. I mean, he's arguing the case that you look, you know, this is crazy because we're buying stuff in Europe with U.S. dollars and we want to stop that. But what he's really saying is, yeah, we want to set up a, a, a the reserve currency for the world, uh, which is a bit of a power play. Ge- ge- geographically, it's a world power play. Yeah, yeah, and um, this is this is one of the things that start happening happening when unsustainable system starts breaking down. Mm. So I hope it does happen, but it it isn't uh, going to end up with being what Keynes wanted in the first place after the history we've been through for the last seventy years now. But if they, if they, if the Europe was to do that, then Asia's going to say, "Well, hey, hey, hang on a second, we we can do the same thing. Let's set up yeah, let's uh, let's set up one for our part of the world." And that's one thing I know from reading some of the work of the uh, ex-governor of the Central Bank of China. He was a major fan of the of the Bancor, so that could easily be you know you'd have a, a Japanese stroke, stroke, stroke Chinese stroke Thai stroke Malaysian uh, stroke Korean uh, concept as well, and then you'd have several, and then you'd have these competing different systems, which is getting close to the stage where there is no international reserve currency, which is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. 
rather than having Americans being in control and the disaster that's created both the American manufacturing sector and the global economy, particularly the American politics, the more alternative methods we have uh, that don't go through the American dollar, the better. Right. So we, we almost have a, uh, a two-tier currency system then, don't we? The sort of like trade is happening in, in Asia, just as the ECU, you know, was, was happening in Europe, but you, you're keeping your own currencies. That top-level currency is seen as one of the world's reserve currencies, so people are buying it or selling it for transactions based on its, um, its stability. Mm. Um, and um, I, the only one who doesn't have a two-tier system in that arrangement is the United States, and so everybody suffers if the U.S. dollar is strong or weak, or uh, mm. uh, yeah, whereas everyone else is protected in a way because they've also got their own local currencies. Yeah, so it could work. It could work uh, as, as a way of getting out of the mess we're in right now. Um, so that's the reason I hope Conker's proposal goes ahead and I hope the Asian central banks come up with something much, this, much the same and we end up with three systems, uh, which, of course, the Americans can't dominate all three. And the more the Americans try to dominate, as they are doing over Iran right now, the weaker, the, the less transactions would occur through their system because people simply want to bypass that level of political control. Well, another term of Donald Trump, and this becomes a more real possibility, doesn't it? The appetite for this sort of thing is going to grow. Yeah, I think we've still got, you know, how much longer we've got of him uh, at the moment? We've still got him until, um, still got a couple of years to go, yeah. yeah. 2020, February 2021, if he loses the next election, and he, if he does hand over power, that's when he'd do it. So we've still got, you know, one and a half years worth of this, actually two years of this to go. Yeah, we've got two years, and then and then we've got another term if he if he gets in as well, which is yeah, 2020. So that's enough time for this sort of thing to be developed. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's hope Mr. Yonka wasn't using this just as a uh, uh, you know as as a brain fart, and uh, he actually gives some attention to it and tries to push it forward. For once, there might be something that we agree with him on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Good, good to talk, Steve. We'll catch you again very soon. Okay, mate, that's good. If it makes you wonder, doesn't it, whether there's an opportunity here uh, to form some sort of agreement with Europe over Brexit, uh, if this is what the aim is of the European Union, given that there are, on the day that we are publishing this podcast, uh, thousands of people marching in London asking for another vote. Well, maybe the vote should be uh, choose between these two. Number one, Britain remains in the EU, but the EU does accept that the euro has actually been the cause of the displacement of people in uh, the within the European Union, and that's what really caused the Brexit vote in the first place. So the easiest way of solving that problem is abolish the euro, and if you want a global uh, or a Europe-wide currency, revert to the former ECU, the European Currency Unit, as a trading currency, and then help to establish that as a global reserve currency. So Europe really is challenging the dominance of the United States with Britain in it. That's option one. I know it might be a bit difficult to fit that on the ballot sheet. Uh, And then obviously option two is we leave. And then we'd have to have another vote as to what form that lead. Or, you know, is it a choice between whatever botched deal Theresa May comes up with or crashing out on World Trade Organization rules and having to build a brick wall on the Irish border and probably losing Scotland from the United Kingdom? Um... There I am, scaremonger again. Uh, take your pick on that one. Look, next time, uh, but by the way, I disagree with Steve Keen on the whole Brexit thing. That's one thing we do come to loggerheads on, so we try not to talk about it too much. But he's gone now. Next time, John McDonald, uh, the shadow chancellor, wants companies of a certain size with 250 or more people in it uh, to set up ownership funds, shared ownership funds, so people working in the company basically have a shareholding in the company. That's what he's saying they'll do if Labour ever gets into power. We'll look at that next time on the Debanking Economics podcast. 
podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy the Y-Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search the Y-Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.